came here to worship. I pray that um, our hearts would be ready for your word. God, that uh, we would be ready to receive what you've brought us today, God. God, I pray that you would be with us as we as we listen to your word today, God. And I pray, amen. You can have a seat. Um, if you would all like to turn to, sorry, uh, John chapter 4, uh, verse 43. If you want to use the blue Bibles in front of you, in the seat back in front of you, uh, it's page 742. After the two days, he left for Galilee. Now Jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet has no honor in his own country. When he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. They had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, for they had been there. Once more he visited Canaan in Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son, who was close to death. Unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. The royal official said, Sir, come down before my son dies. Jesus replied, Your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. While he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. When he inquired as, the, as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, Yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, Your son will live. So he and his whole household believed. This was the second sign Jesus performed after coming to Judea from Galilee. Well, good morning. It's nice to see you this morning. Um, my name's Mark Toby, and uh, most of you I think I know. A uh, good number of you I think I don't know, so I'm glad to meet you. Brett asked me to introduce myself a little bit, so I'm not exactly sure what he means by that, but um, I used to work here, and um, my family and I spent about 10 years here. The kids really kind of grew up here, and uh, they're here with us this morning. Tracy and I and the kids made our way from Dallas. Uh, by the way, it was 77 in Dallas yesterday, so this is nice. <laughs> um, we made our way yesterday, stayed ahead of the cold front, and the Lord blessed us with safe passage and um, presently, um, we're serving at Insight for Living Ministries, which is a radio broadcast ministry uh, out of Frisco, Texas, and um, basically broadcasts Bible teaching and preaching uh, all through North America, South America, and uh, literally around the world. Um, so we have a ministry of supporting the broadcast as millions of listeners connect with that uh, ministry <clears throat> through print uh, and also web ministry and a new uh, facet of Insight for Living Ministries is training pastors. Um, part of the vis Vision 195 um, advance is that Insight for Living Ministries uh, is trusting the Lord that at some point will be in all 195 countries of the world uh, proclaiming the gospel and part of that mission is to train pastors that are there now serving congregations in their own languages and um, presently bringing them to the United States for 18 months of hands-on ministry training as well as training uh, overseas in their their ministry settings so that's kind of the vision and um we're kind of happy to be a part of all that. A lot of it is still undefined, um, still kind of trusting the Lord um, for some of the uh, flesh and um, 
how that's all going to come together, but we're, we're very, very excited um, uh, to be a part of that. Um, but we're also thrilled to be back here and to see what God continues uh, to do here at, at First Baptist North. I, I got to confess that when uh, Pastor Brett kind of handed me the passage that I'd be speaking from this morning, or actually maybe it was Adam, I, I was a little concerned. Uh, uh, Kayla just read it beautifully, by the way, but the opening line is, a prophet is not welcome in his own town. <laughs> Some sort of really bad setup, I don't know. But anyway, I tried not to think about that too long. Although it's the first sentence in my sermon outline this morning, so it's still on my mind. But nonetheless, um, we're glad to be here, and you've all been so very kind and gracious to us as we've kind of made our re-entry now after about a year and four months. So thank you for that. It would really help me to go to the Lord in prayer, so I'm going to ask you to join me in doing that, would you? Our Father, how thankful we are for your goodness and faithfulness to us. We see your hand in our lives, in what you're doing, in the places where we serve. We're so thankful for your work here at First Baptist North, um, this vibrant place of ministry that belongs to you and to your people. We give you great praise. And now we ask, God, that by your spirit you would speak to us as you, only you can do through the ministry of your magnificent word. In the name of your son, we pray. Amen. Well, I'd like to just kind of jump back into this story. Um, you've already received, I'm certain of it, superb instruction uh, on the opening chapters of this gospel from your pastors. And you can't help but feel as you read the significance of how John begins to develop his story, the story of Jesus. There's no status quo in John's gospel. You find that at the very beginning. Any of the Gospels, for that matter, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, uh, there's no status quo. But John begins uniquely. He says, in the beginning, this was how he started his story, was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God, centered on the deity. But the God moved out in the person of Jesus. He left heaven, John says, in the very beginning of his gospel, left the glories of heaven. He was displaced and centered in the human experience. That's motion. God set his plan of redemption for the world in motion by sending Jesus. That's what this entire season is all about. The season where God became flesh. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That comes from John. He moved out and made his presence known in this place. Meanwhile, there was already someone here that was earthbound, down on the planet. His name was John the Baptist. He was also in motion. And people were flooding from Jerusalem out into the wilderness where John was preaching. And John was not preaching about himself. He was preaching about the one that was to come. And so there was a great deal of interest, kind of a renewed interest in the Hebrew scriptures and the great kind of oracles of old because John was bringing them back to the foreground, only it didn't have kind of the dusty, stale feel to it that, that people were used to in the temple and in the synagogues. This had a fresh appeal. And they were coming out to the wilderness. And so, of course, the religious leaders in Jerusalem, they, they dispatched some of their emissaries. John says they were, they were temple assistants and some of the priests. And they, they sent them out to the wilderness to discover what, what's going on with this John the Baptist. Something was happening. You see, with the religious elite, there's, there's not so much motion as there is commotion. That's what surrounds religion. Just a lot of stirring up of people. Jesus had kind of stirred the religious establishment and, and so had John. By the way, I want to say that if you're in any way comfortable as you're making your way through this series of John, and I'm certain you're not with the kind of preaching and teaching you're getting, then you're probably not really reading the gospel of John as they, it was designed to be read. 
You may be giving kind of cursory nods to these stories, but you're not allowing the truths to engage your world and some of your preconceptions or your theological notions, even some of your religious convictions. John's purpose is to upend all of that. And John says, Jesus, this this God person, God man, came into that very well-ordered, centralized religious experience and he dropped a bomb. Kind of hashtag the genuine item. All of a sudden, Jesus is on the scene and there's motion. And then there's a wedding in chapter 2. Who doesn't like a wedding? But a magnificent experience as Jesus performs his first miracle, turning water into wine. And then an uproar in the temple where he cleanses the temple of, of all of the religious trinkets and knickknacks that are on sale for those who are coming for worship. That's Jesus in Jerusalem. And then there were miracles at Passover. We'll get to that later. Can you imagine for centuries upon centuries they'd been celebrating the same ritual of Passover in Jerusalem over and over and over and over again. Then Jesus shows up. The central person of the Passover, the one who created the Passover, and something magnificent happened. That's motion. That's why I'm so glad this ministry continues to be a vibrant, growing experience in the body of Christ. That's good. When you look around, you're, you're, you're adding on, you're, you're upgrading your nurseries because you got more kids than you know what that's a good thing and people are coming and their lives are being transformed by the ministry of Christ that's a good good thing that's motion there's no status quo in John's gospel and then in John chapter 4 which you've been in for the last few weeks you see Jesus again in motion and he's leaving <clears throat> pardon me, he's leaving Jerusalem and John tells us that he's on his way to Galilee but he determines to go through Samaria. This kind of region of that area that was largely untouched by the ministry in Jerusalem. And he makes his way into Samaria. And he's in this place and this is where he encounters the woman at the well. He stops there, the scripture says, because he's, he's weary. And the disciples, they don't stay. They, they go into Sychar, the little village um, <clears throat> in Samaria, because they're going to buy some food. It's interesting, as you read the Gospels, the disciples were all about food, right? <laughs> Man, where can we get something to eat around here? You know, Jesus is kind of focused on the ministry and the people. The disciples are like, Man, we got to eat. Can you relate to that? Let's get some eats. Where can we get some good eats? So the disciples are gone. Same place, same potential opportunity. Jesus stays at the well. The disciples head into town to buy some food. I love it. Let me ask you a question. Who did you encounter today on your way to this place? Anyone other than your family? Did you go through a drive-thru, maybe Starbucks, stop at a convenience store, maybe get some gas? See anybody? How about last night? Anybody venture to the mall? <laughs> Walmart? What about last week? As you're pressing through with your plans, did you encounter any people? Or was it all about the food? <laughs> We're gonna eat. Let's go a little step further. How many of those people, if you met them or saw them, did you engage on a personal level? Or are they more just kind of like scenery? You know, they're there, you see them, or maybe they served you at a restaurant or they, you know, you, you, you got something across the counter or you went into the, you know, 
place of service. They were there, but they were more like scenery. Yeah, I think I saw that person, or they greeted me, but I really didn't pay much attention. How many of those people that you, did you engage on a personal level? Let me go one kind of step further with the express intent of beginning a genuine relationship with them. Because you're probably almost certain they don't know God the way you know God. They've never met Jesus. A few weeks ago, um, the team that I serve alongside at Insight for Living, we were had an occasion to all be out together for a lunch meeting. There was about 12 of us, I guess. It was a pretty good-sized group. So we went to this restaurant. It was a I don't even remember what it was, a Olive Garden or something, you know, one of those busy places, lunch. So we had this long table and we were all there and they were, there was this wonderful table server who was assigned to our table, a gal. And uh, she was delightful. She was really on top of it and um, had a very pleasant attitude. Isn't that nice um, when they have a good attitude? My kids just kind of run for cover when we catch bad attitude. You know, we're getting service, and they, oh, Dad, just don't say anything, don't say anything. But anyway, this gal was really good at it, and she, and so we were really thankful for her. Um, but I noticed she she looked like she had a a, a bit of a um, ethnic background, and so I just asked her, you know, where are you from? Where are you from? And she said, I'm from Syria. Wow, now that just kind of got my attention. Syria, that's kind of been on the news lately, right? So that was kind of unique there in Dallas. So here's this table server who's doing a great job with a wonderful attitude, right? And she's from Syria. Oh, yeah. So we had, you know, kind of continue on, and she's serving us and doing it, uh, doing a really good job at it. And so she came back around, and we're just chatting, and I asked her, well, what's your name? And... Um, she said, well, I have an Arabic name, but I, I've kind of anglicized it, so you can call me Mary. I was like, oh, Mary, okay, you're Mark. And so we, she kind of, we chatted a little bit more, and she was serving, and it was a busy day. And next time around, she came, and I said, well, you know, tell me about your family. Oh, she said, well, I just had a baby. I said, a baby? <laughs> Isn't that cool? She said, a baby. I said, a baby boy. She said, and I said, what'd you name him? And she said, Yashua. Jesus? And so I thought, this is... So I said, Mary, did you know your baby boy? <laughs> okay, that part of the story is not true, okay? <laughs> I had you going, though, didn't I, Maffioli? Had you going, I know. <laughs> but guess what? Her name was Malia. She did go by Mary because it's easier for people to say her name and she doesn't like any sort of kind of pushback. She also had a baby boy. We're talk, talking about her family. And she said, I'm a Muslim. I'm a Muslim. I said, oh, well, we're, we're Christians. She said, yeah, I gathered that. <laughs> I know somehow they know. <laughs> you know, I don't know. It's, maybe it's our... In our faces. Abraham Lincoln said, after 40, a man is responsible for his own face. I like that. I've been working on my face. Okay, But she knew. She just kind of had a sense. Anyway, after the, after the end of that meal, had a great chance to just thank Mary for her gracious service. And told her that we'd be praying for her. And then I said, you know, Malia, I said, Jesus makes all things new. That was it. We went on our way. I don't know. We've been praying that the Lord will open her heart to the gospel. Like he did Lydia at Philippi. Remember Lydia? Went down to the riverside, same strategy as Jesus. They knew the women would be there washing their clothes. And sure enough, here's Lydia. She sold purple garments. She was a businesswoman, very successful. Probably Arabic. From Lydos. 
And I love how Luke describes, or uh, uh, yeah, Luke describes it in Acts chapter 16. He said the Lord opened her heart to receive the gospel. That's the gospel in motion. That's Jesus in John chapter 4. So when the disciples came back, and I know you saw this story last time with Adam, you know, they had their to-go boxes, and they got up there to the well, and there was Jesus talking to this woman, and of course they were concerned, and so they said, is there anything we can do to help you lead this person to saving faith? You know, they said, Jesus, we brought you some eats, you need to eat. <laughs> they threw food on their mind. And I love Jesus' response. I'm full. I'm not hungry. My needs have been met because my food is to do the will of my Father in heaven. Was that great? You see, we live in a culture that worships food. <laughs> it's all about us. It's all about satisfying our need. We've got to get some food. We've got to eat. We've got to go to this, and we've got to go to this, and we've got to make sure this happens, and our kids need this, and they need all of this, and then they need to go here and finish this, because it's all about fulfilling our needs. Jesus said, man, I'm good. I'm full. I'm satisfied, because I just had an encounter with this woman, and my Father in heaven has opened her heart to the truth. And she's going back to Sychar, and you, you know that story because you heard it. She told everyone in her hometown, you've got to go up to Jacob's well because there's, there's a person there that has changed my life. Jesus said, I'm full. And it just happened while Jesus was in motion. He was just on the way to Galilee. Just like you're on your way to church or you're on your way to school or you're on your way to your place of employment or your office or you're headed down to air up your tires or to get a new set of tires or, or find a dress for the holidays. Whatever it is, when you're on your way as a follower of Jesus Christ who has been filled with the resources of heaven in his spirit, you are Jesus in motion. And the people you encounter are not scenery, they are objects of his enormous affection. And if you simply engage them with a level of authenticity and goodness, you have no idea what God might do with that encounter. And then you can go eat. Let's get to the story at the end of John chapter 4. You see, Jesus has done all of this. All of this has happened as a result of him being in motion. And now the scripture says in verse 43 that Kayla read, At the end of those two days, Jesus went back to Galilee. And he himself had said that a prophet is not honored in his hometown. That the Galileans welcomed him. For they had been in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration and had seen everything he did there. I love this part of the story that John includes because it's a contrast to what was just experienced in Samaria. Samaria is unchurched. They don't have categories for God and for religion and for faith like the Galileans had. They had everything. The, what the Galileans experience that John is trying to describe here is, is like kind of what we experience here in America, this kind of Western Christian experience. You have everything, everything you need to follow hard after Christ. And then some. You've got wonderful churches, beautiful campuses like we stepped into today. Christian radio, Christian television, Christian schools, Christian colleges. I mean, you cannot turn on a radio where there's not some, some speaker, some Bible preacher, teacher that's giving you world-class Bible teaching, right? 
I mean, every time you walk in there and say, man, I just listened to, and then you just fill in the blank. And I'm like, oh, man, did you have to listen to him today before you hear me, me speak? I mean, it's everywhere. That was Galilee. And you get to go to these wonderful places. <clears throat> there are more Christian tours and Christian cruises. I mean, it's unbelievable what God has done here in, in the West as a result of the gospel. That was Galilee. That was Galileans. They welcomed Jesus because guess what? They got to go up to Passover when Jesus, the Lord of the Passover, was the keynote speaker. How about that? They got something in the mail, Passover weekend, Jesus Christ is the guest speaker. And they're like, um, um, they swipe their card, we're taking the whole family. And up they went, and they went, and it was the most magnificent Passover conference they'd ever experienced because the Lord, creator, God of the universe, the Lord of the Passover was there. And he must have put on quite a demonstration because they said, they saw the miracles that he did. Meanwhile, the poor Samaritans out here, they got no Wi-Fi. Nobody's going down there to do conferences. Nobody's sending their people down there because, you know, that's the other side of the tracks. It's rough. There's racial tension in Samaria. That's, that's, the, that's the place you tell your kids not to drive through at night. Property values are way low. No problem. You can get a house for nothing because it's Samaria. See the contrast? See what John is doing? But Jesus is in motion. He's back in Galilee. These people were so glad to see him because they'd just been to his conference. But here's, look, watch this, verse 46. As he traveled, I love that. He's in motion. As he traveled, as you travel, as you're in motion, through Galilee, he came to Cana. That's where he had turned the water into wine. And there, in that place, was a government official. See, in Samaria, there was a woman in Cana, there was a Roman official, a governor. And his son was sick. <laughs> well, that brings us to the other obsession of our culture. First one is food. And if we leave it up there in that place of worship, it's going to hinder the gospel. It will hinder you. It will hinder your family. It will hinder your ministry if it's just all about satisfying yourself. The second one is we live in a culture that worships family. Food and family. Guess where Jesus went? Guess where he did some of his most magnificent demonstrations of power? Times centered around food <laughs> and times centered around... He'd just come from a wedding. You see, these things are not to be our objects of worship, but they are magnificent platforms for ministry of the gospel because that's where people are. But we are to be converted from those, from that kind of idolatry in order that we, like Jesus, as, while we're in motion, can be conduits of his goodness in those places. And that's what's happening here. In this man is coming to Jesus, and the only reason he's coming to Jesus is because he has a son who's been diagnosed with something that is terminal. He's terminally ill. 
His death is imminent, and he's heard about what Jesus has done, and so he pursues Jesus, and he meets him in this place. And John says he begged Jesus to come to Capernaum. You need to come to my town to heal my son. He's about to die. This is another encounter with Jesus. Listen, Jesus is going to go to Samaria or he's going to go to Galilee. Regardless of whether you go there or not, that's where he's going. But he's not going for the food and he's not going for the family. He's going for the people. The other story in Luke chapter 8, <laughs> Luke tells this story, kind of illustrates kind of Jesus' heart and his focus. He was, he was doing ministry and his crowds were increasing significantly because it was so fresh and it was so new and because, of course, God's spirit was up upon him and he was doing miracles and so the crowds were growing and so Jesus is preaching and he's teaching away and, and this group of people come up to Jesus and say, Jesus, 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 come here, come here, come here. Your mom and your brothers are out here. They want to talk to you. And Jesus is like, what? It's your mom. It's your mom. Your mom. Your mom wants to talk to you. My mom. And Jesus said, my mom and my sisters and my brothers, my family are those who do the will of my father who is heaven in heaven. Are you kidding me? He said, wait, no, over here. He said, I'm full. I don't, I don't, need, I don't need that. I'm good because I, I just had this encounter, and my food is to do the will of my Father in heaven. We just had this crazy encounter with this person. I think she's, she's eternally good. Over here, it's, it's my, you, you've, got the, you've, you've got me wrong here. He didn't say I don't love my mom. He didn't say I don't love my brothers. He didn't say I don't care for them. He just said my family. If you want to know my focus, my family, the people I am most relationally satisfied with are those who are sold out for this and who are obedient to the call of my Father in heaven. Now you want to throw a bomb on your Christmas celebration? You drop that one. Uh, <clears throat> you tell grandma we're not coming this year because we're going to be down here sharing the gospel. <laughs> you tell grandma. <laughs> I ain't telling grandma. <laughs> right? Why? Because. But that's why this man was coming to Jesus. Because it was about his son. Let me tell you, I get that. I get that. Jesus, man, will you never believe in me unless you see something miraculous, signs and wonders? He was undeterred. The official pleaded. Lord, please come now before my little boy dies. Then Jesus told him. Now this is in red in my Bible. Maybe it is in yours because it's the words of Jesus. Go back home. Your son will live. A little bit of an unfortunate translation. Literally in the original it says, go back home. Your son, alive. part that's not in red I think is perhaps even more significant and it's very easily overlooked but I don't want you to miss it and the man believed what Jesus said <laughs> do you see the power of that encounter he was not just scenery This was a real person 
in a real culture with a deep need, scared out of his mind, desperate for help. And they sit next to you in school they're across the cubicle from you at work they are serving you in the Starbucks window they are your restaurant servers they are your colleagues they are your neighbors some of them might be your relative they are people who don't act, think, dress, walk like you. They are your parents of your children's friends in their preschool. And what they need is Jesus. While the man was on his way, motion, some of his servants met him. Isn't that nice? The woman at the well was carrying her own jug. See the difference? And I don't know if you've ever been to that part of Israel. That's rugged country. It's hot. She was carrying her own jug of water to that well. This guy has servants. Meet him halfway. I mean, they're everywhere. It doesn't matter what their station in life. So these servants meet him with the news that his son was alive and well. He's fine. He, he's, he's playing. He's, he's, he's already outside. That's a little Toby paraphrase. He asked them when the boy had begun to get better, and they replied, Yesterday afternoon at one o'clock, his fever just suddenly disappeared. They didn't know that this man had encountered the living Savior. They didn't know that. They just gave him the report. Then the father realized that that was the very time Jesus had told him, your son alive, your son will live. Now watch this. And he and his entire household believed in Jesus. Can you imagine? It wasn't just this official, but his whole family was converted as a result of that single encounter with Jesus. I don't know if, I'm sure he did, but we'll go back and think about it quickly. The disciples, remember, in the counter with Jesus and the woman at the well, they were down in Sychar, remember that same town as the woman was from? After this woman left, she went down to her hometown and she said, you have got to come back to Jacob's well because I've just... I just met a man who told me everything about my life and he's transformed my life. And so all of these people started coming up that hill to that guy. Probably there were men in that town that had never been up to the well because they always sent their women, you know. I've never been up here. So they came up to the well and they, 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 all these people because this woman had given this vibrant witness. Now I have a question for you. The disciples were in the same town. So how come nobody came trumping up the trail after they'd been there? Well, what was their focus? Ooh, man. They weren't even thinking. See the difference? All right, we got to wrap this up. A couple more points. Take about 45 minutes if we are. <laughs> Is food and sustenance important? Of course. 
It's good to get a good, solid education, of course. Do we need to be responsible and healthy citizens? Yes. Is family valuable? Of course. Does God care how we care for our families? Yes. And that we raise him, raise them to fear him and love him? Yes, of course. Is either one more important than the mission and motion of the gospel? Absolutely not. Both the pursuit and maintenance of comfort and safety and the affection and emotional attachment to families have prevented more talented, young, supernaturally gifted and undeniably called young men and women from obeying Christ and going to the world with the gospel than anything else in the world. But because that's where most people live, that is our culture, they both represent powerfully effective platforms for the ministry of Christ in our lives. Center your ministry around meeting the physical, emotional, and relational needs of people. Enjoin that with a spirit-filled witness of the gospel, and this place will continue to bust at the seams. Finally, we are genuinely ready to be disciples when we are genuinely willing to leave all of that, all of that, to do whatever Christ has called us to do. What is it that you have spent the bulk of your time, ability, treasure, talent, and passion doing in the last, say, three to six months of this year? What have you poured your energy into? And the follow-up question is, did that, whatever that was, become the thing, or did that thing become an intentional platform for you to give a vibrant witness to the love and power of Christ? See, that's the difference. tell you since we left here a month and four months ago or a year and four months ago that's why they never let me do the math around here <laughs> it's been straight uphill was thinking about a title for the sermon. Hannah, my daughter, said, I got one for you. The suffering is real. <laughs> it's a great title. I didn't use a babe, sorry. So convinced. Full out. God put his hand on our family and our life and said, "We need. it's time. It's time to go. It's time to move. Move out. There needed to be motion. Take us to a different place. But I got to tell you, you're uprooting a lot there. And so we've appreciated the prayerful support and encouragement that we've received from you. Because it's hard. But we've met Daniel and Amir and Sidra and Alex and Judy and Jonathan across the street. And the list goes on and on. These people do not look like you. They do not know God. They've never been to Passover.
but I'm convinced that's why we're there. I love the way Jesus ended his days. A little bit of food, a little bit of family, and then he got them all on the hill before he, that'd be a good way to take off. All authority and power in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. Therefore, go. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost parts of the world, and make disciples. Teaching them everything I have commanded you and baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's the mission. That's the mission. That's the focus. I want to challenge every young person here, especially today, to either revisit a time in your life when you really felt and sensed that God had called you to serve him without a doubt he placed his hand on your life and said I want you I need you to go I want you to revisit that and if you're still here and you haven't left ask the question of yourself before God and his people moms and dads I want you to be ready for anything because your daughter or your son when they are laid hold of by Christ might come to you someday and say I can't stay I can't come home I've got to go He's called me to go. And through the tears and the heartache and the anguish, you need to say, go. 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 Oh, for the praise and glory of his name. Because ultimately, as good as this, is, this place is, and it's good, it's going to be hard again for my kids to leave this place. This needs to be a sending church. Send them out. Send them. Father, do whatever it takes in all of our lives, but especially in the lives of these young people. Lay hold of them. Blessed Christ, for your cause, the best, the brightest, the most talented, Lord, that have so much to offer, to give they would be the first to say yes. In the meantime, as we go, as we pass through neighborhoods, make our way through shopping centers, as we return to work and schools, Father, compel us to see people the way you see people, not as scenery, but as living objects of your affection who need the grace of Christ. Enable us to open our mouths and to just speak his name 
remember their names. Enter into their experience. And then, Father, lead them to yourself, we pray, in the powerful, magnificent name of your Son, whose name we love and adore today. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's stand and sing together.
Well, thank you all uh, for being here today. Thank you, uh, Mark. You guys all just heard why. Sorry, Mark, you're never allowed to just come visit. We're going to put you to work when you come back. So, uh, uh, but we're thankful for that. And by the way, he talked a lot about today about a personal encounter with Jesus. Um, and, and as you know, we say this every week, this is why this place exists. And so if you're here today and you've never had that, um, you've never believed in him, you, you've never experienced that, man, man, come talk to us before you leave. Right, don't walk out of these doors without, without at least seeking out what that is and let us show you in the word of God how to experience that. And today starts the, the march of the week towards Christmas. And, and uh, it's very fitting that he talked today about food and family, right? Because I'm sure you've all planned all of that for the next seven days, right? Um, but we've got some opportunities here for you, for you to use that, to bring them here, right? Bring your family here. Um, this Wednesday night, we have family night. Um, all, all grades will be meeting, all ages, right? High school, middle school, elementary, we'll all be having a Christmas party uh, this Wednesday night. Adults, sorry, you had your party last week. We're going to study the Bible, okay? But come at 6.30, um, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna have that Wednesday night. And then uh, next weekend, Saturday night at 7 in this room, we're going to have a Christmas Eve service, and then Sunday at 11 a.m. All the church combined, both services together uh, for one experience. Um, if you want Christmas to be a family holiday, bring them here. Um, bring them here and they're going to encounter Jesus, okay? Um, other than that, man, we love you guys. Uh, you are dismissed. Go with Christ.